I'm Carter Felker from Calgary, Alberta, and you're listening to The Northern Report. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to The Northern Report Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and I'm coming right at you from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Here on The Northern Report, I aim to shine a light on emerging and existing Canadian talent, as well as some of the legends we're still lucky to have with us. My guest on today's show is Carter Felker. Carter and I have been pals now for a few years, but over the last year or so, we've kept in much closer contact. As you'll hear, our rapport is evident, and I feel like Carter was the perfect subject for the Northern Report's very first face-to-face interview. 29 episodes in, and we finally get to sit down across the table with someone and have a conversation. Now, before we get down to business, I'd just like to take a moment, send out one more thanks to all the folks who have been tuning in with me on Boots and Saddle every Tuesday on CKUW 95.9 FM for these past five and a half years. Special thanks to all the folks who reached out with kind words and messages following my final episode as host. It means a lot, folks. Episode 236 aired on Tuesday, May 31st. It was an emotional endeavor recording that one for me. Do stay tuned to the Boots and Saddle socials for updates on the franchise and its future. I'm going to let it breathe a little while before doing anything more with Boots and Saddle. But I'll remind you, the archived episodes are still up there on the Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts, or at bootsandsaddle.ca. And although CKUW has not yet and likely will not search for a new host for the program, they will continue to air Boots and Saddle rebroadcasts in the coming months. I'm currently back out on the road, slinging the harmonica, the upright, and electrical bass guitars with Corblund and the Hurt and Albertans. And folks, it's been a real pleasure and truly an honor rolling around with these dudes all over the U.S. and at home across Canada find myself here this evening recording the intro in a three-star hotel on the fringes of downtown Salt Lake City, Utah. And I should mention that though the Northern Report column continues to be featured in the Honky Tonk Times magazine, go to thehonkytonktimes.com to get your subscription. It's been three months since we last released a new podcast, so it feels real good to bring you a fresh episode. Friends, I hope you'll enjoy my chat with Carter Felker. Carter Felker's Alberta roots run deep, and he has hung his hat and kicked his boots off all over Wild Rose Country. It wasn't until he relocated from Grand Prairie down to Calgary that he began his path as a working musician. Felker burst onto the scene and turned heads with his debut record, Everyday Life, in 2016. He quickly rose the ranks, becoming one of the most respected names in the vibrant Alberta independent roots music scene. Beyond the provincial borders, Folks across Canada, in the know and with their ears to the ground, took note of his elite songwriting talent. And it wasn't long before other notable prairie names like Del Barber and Shayla Miller each took their own stab at recording songs from Carter's pen. Carter's new album, Even the Happy Ones Are Sad, will be out into the world this Tuesday, June 14th, And I'll tell you, friends, he does not suffer from a sophomore slump. I've been lucky to have an advanced copy of the record for quite a while now, and I cannot overstate it enough when I say you should be sure to take the time to give this record a listen. There's been a pair of singles released already, and at the conclusion of today's episode, we're going to give you the world premiere of another great cut from this record with a song called Francine. Carter joined me last month when I was in Calgary in room 807 at the Alt Hotel to tell me more about his story, his songs, and his new record. We'll jump right into it, discussing what's become a polarizing matter, 
Carter's signature song, Everyday Life. I work down at the grocery store. Yeah, I'll talk about it honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it's very, it's a very, uh, it must be weird. Yeah, it is weird. Like, the one thing that, the weirdest thing about it is, like, being like, yeah, I wrote this song, and then you, like, hear somebody who's like, I love this song, and then they change the song, and you're like, okay, well, I wonder what it's going to sound like, and then you hear it, and then it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, you know, and then you get, like, someone like, my dad's like, that fucking song, he's like, that's not the song, and my dad's, like, grocery store clerk, right, like, uh-huh. ran Safeway for eons, and... I watched them toil away at like, you know, not in the dirt, but in the dust, as they say, yeah. of a grocery store. But then, you know, you get your, you get, you know, and then you're like, okay, I just won't listen to it. And then, you know, I go to a show or whatever that I listen to it. I'm like, that's not the same song. You know, it's, it's a different song with some of the same words, which is like, whatever. Same melody. Same melody. A lot prettier. A lot prettier. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got a beautiful voice. Yeah. But then it's yeah, but it's also cool. It's like you're like it's cool. It's an honor or whatever. You know, I don't have a lot of, you know, buddies that have songs that are getting sung by other people or whatever. We're on a, you know, the Juno nominated record yeah. or whatever. That's yeah. really cool. And it's like oh, your name's on the, on the back of the record, and you're like oh, look at that. You can show your kids that. But then you know, you send them to bed before you turn on the record or whatever. Maybe, <laughs> you know. What? When's the first time you heard him, heard Dell sing your song? The first time I ever heard it was actually like years ago. They used to have this thing called Wide Cut Country, or Wide Cut Weekend was the festival. Wide Cut Country's still around. It's on CKUA. It's a radio show, but they did a festival, and I was at the Legion, uh-huh. and I was upstairs, and I was uh, I was in the bathroom, you know, and you know, I got a you know social anxiety, so I was on the toilet or whatever, and I washed my hands and walked out, and uh, it was funny, uh, my girlfriend and Shayla Miller were dancing in the front row and uh, Del goes this is a song my friend wrote uh, it's called Everyday Life and uh, Grant Siemens was, was with him it was a hot band and Grant they, and Bernie right yeah, yeah. And they started playing it and I was like oh cool and then uh, you know they changed it or I had never experienced somebody like changing something like the folk tradition of yeah. changing tunes or whatever and then I was like oh shit like I didn't know how to react and everyone was like wow and i was like yeah cool and then i went home and cried a little and but also was like that's kind of cool maybe i am a songwriter there was some validation attached to it yes but the first time i heard it was weird and then uh the last time i heard it was weird but at the same time it's like you know all i I got no hard feelings or anything like that it's just like yeah like i said you're like it's like i said it's like watching something that you created change, mm-hmm. which I mean, like, I don't know how else to describe it other than like, yeah, like it's like, it's a weird feeling. It's uh, somewhere between like complete validation and uh, am I not good enough? Was was this not good enough? Right. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's still like my one of my favorite songs I've ever written, like my version was a, you know it's a lot more depressing too and i joked to dell i'm like it's a philosophical moment you know it's like uh you know a uh, five foot seven bald troll boy with a skullet writes a song about being depressed and this beautiful <laughs> blue-eyed six foot two left-handed god like who sings like an angel's like well this is how i would have done it i'm right. like yeah maybe uh circumstances right but uh it's it's more of a joke now but yeah it's, he still plays it at shows so I mean, it's, it stands up. I mean, it's, and then, you know, like, no offense to the rest of his records, but it's still one of his best songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you know that he was doing that song before you first heard him heard him play it that night the at the Legion? The first time he heard, played it at the Legion, I actually, I can't remember, because I know I turned 27. It was my birthday. And he... He, it's, it's all these moments happened in the shitter. It's weird. I was in the shitter, <laughs> and I got this text from Dell. He's like, "I'm gonna do everyday life, and here's my version." And the, I'm like, got it up to my ear while I'm on the toilet in the ship and anchor here. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. That's pretty half cut. And I was like, well, I don't want you to change it. And he's like, well, I'm not changing it that much. And I was like, well, don't change the chorus. And he's like, well, then it doesn't tell the same story. And I'm like, eh, I'm not going to argue anymore. It's yeah. my birthday. I'm tired and I'm drunk. And, you know, it's a day of celebration. And then uh, 
I walked out to the table and then a, a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Dunn was there and he was like, you know, like it happens, man, you know, like take it as a compliment. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I did, I did, I still do take it as a compliment, but when we, whenever I talk about it, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be like dishonest about the fact that it's, it is a strange feeling, but it's also like, yeah, like I said, I can't, it's I'm playing the middle, right? With right. that type of feeling where you're like, yeah, I'm like, there's days where I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And there's days where like, oh man, I must, I must have had a really good idea, but I'm just not good enough to write it. You know, you ever see the movie crazy heart? Yeah. So that song for me, like, uh, Dell's version is is the Crazy Heart movie, and, and your version is the Crazy Heart book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Where there's yeah. no there's no glory at the yeah, end of the just, book. Just it's just bleak, sad, and just screaming at God. And yeah. uh, and that's why I like your tunes, man, because they feel really real, like that. Like I I have said this, I've been saying this a lot the last year or so that like I think everybody. Uh, everybody feels misery and yeah. sadness and maybe they bury it or they're not they're not in touch with it or they don't want to welcome that feeling but I feel like you write about that a lot yeah I try well I, like I guess, consciously well and I guess I don't consciously try I feel like you know uh, over the years I've gotten older and uh, I'm not old yet but you know I look terrible but uh, <laughs> the one thing that I notice with myself is like, yeah, I just get, the songs get slower and sadder because it's like, you know, my arc may be, the hope isn't as, I'm I'm plateauing out as a human being where I'm like, what's my future? What's going on? And I'm like, well, I got a lot of years to live, so I can't really see the end. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll get into IT and make a billion. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, I feel like everybody, it's like, and I always feel like, you know, if you stay, if as a writer, I'm always staying in a moment and to get to the end and just be like, oh, yeah, and there, here's a little hope. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, in, th- in three and a half minutes, like, do you, do you, can you really grasp every emotion? Like a, a good story arc, a good short story, which is like I feel like my songs are pretty much that is – yeah, I, I guess I just, maybe I don't have the, the ability to resolve and find the light because I'm just, I'm pretty realistic that, you know, I remember when I realized you just get older, you never really figure it out. It right. just, you know, you start to maybe get more responsible and take care of your shit, but that doesn't mean you know what you're doing. Right. You know, tomorrow, you know, you might have a burst pipe in your house and you're fucking sunk <laughs> and you're like, oh man, I was ahead. And now I'm like... I'm way in debt. Mm-hmm. I had to pay a plumber so I didn't have to like foreclose on my own home because of it's just disgusting, right? Like that that's the stuff I see. I'm like, well, you know, like something's coming. I don't know what it is, but it's a fucking freight train. <laughs> You're just waiting, yeah, waiting yeah. for something it's bad something, to happen. Well, something bad will happen. Like no matter what, whenever shit's going good, like things go great. They're going great. There's always something. There and even if it's a little leak in the in the boat, you know, like you know, oh, this beer tastes good, but it still leaves a fucking glass ring, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've had a hard time accepting uh, um, people congratulating me on, oh, you're going to you're gonna have a baby or you've got this new gig. And then I'm like, yeah, but, but something's going to happen. Yeah, something, something something's gonna coming. Happen. Yeah, you know? Yeah. He's like, my kid might not like me. You know, <laughs> I'll give it all the unconditional love it needs. And it might just be like, yeah, my dad, you know, he chewed loud. <laughs> he's on the road all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Where's dad? Oh, he's he's trying. Yeah, but you're not like a sad guy in, in social situations. Maybe you're. Maybe you hide it. Maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe. there's some anxiety. But I don't know. Like like uh, most times, you and I talk. It's it's we got a lot of laughs. Yes, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I got a sense of humor. I mean, that's like one thing that keeps me above the ground. I think. Like, uh, so do the songs sort of like? Is that your outlet for for all those? Yeah, all I'd those say. Feelings? Yeah, I mean, for almost all my feelings, if you met my my partner, she's like, Carter, you got to, like, express yourself, like, emotionally more. Because I'm like, there's bitch and wine, you know? That's yes, one thing that's really easy that. to do. You know me. Yes. But then there's, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I, I watch, like, the saddest movie, and I'm like, I feel terrible. And I just sit there, you know? And then I'm like, well, it's, I want a Big Mac or something. And then... You know, I watch a Marvel movie or an action movie and I'm like tearing up and crying at like these crazy scenes because I'm like, wow, I never thought I'd see something like this on the television screen. You know, like Uh I remember watching like Jurassic Park and being like, holy shit, like this is amazing. And now you see stuff, you're like, that's nothing now. Like my, my brain is weird. I'm wired differently, I think. But emotionally, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, no, I remember one time when I was a kid 
maybe 18 or whatever, I wrote this song about depression and I played it for my mom and she fucking lost her mind. She's like, you don't sing about that shit, you know, like you're not depressed or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep singing these songs. Yeah, they have a hard because time Because it's like, them. yeah, it's like the first time I ever expressed and got through to my own mom about like, yeah, I have questions and I'm not always happy and, you know, like, yeah, I think that's where it all comes out. And I also, you know, I put a lot of my own thoughts and feelings into these story songs. Like, you know, not everyone is a verbatim story about me, mm-hmm. but there are feelings I'm feeling and I'm just like using this as a canvas to emote them, I guess. I don't know. Just bits of you and all these tunes. Yeah, exactly. You know, even like, if they're not autobiographical. Yeah, exactly. Well, and yeah, I don't know. Like sometimes I don't even know where these songs come from. I wake up some days. I'm like, I can't believe I fucking wrote that. Like who wrote that song? Like I'll reflect on songs I've had out or people talk about or ask me about. And I'm like, my process is just like, yeah, you know, channeling something. Not like I'm a religious person or spiritual by any means, but it's like, I don't know what's going on in my brain that I'm like, that is so, I'm so passive in my own existence and feeding the beast, which is art uh-huh. that uh, at times I'm like, I don't know how I wrote that. Do, do you like, are you a everyday writer consciously wake up and write? Or are you, are you uh, like processing these emotions from the Marvel movie into song <laughs> <laughs> or like, or, yeah. Or is it just something, is something coming to you and you're like, I got, I got to get the guitar. How's yeah, it's weird. Uh, like, well, I've been with Amy, my partner, who's an amazing artist, and like you met, you've seen her oh, the yeah. last few nights with Corb. But uh, she is like a poetry reader. Every like, I call it high end. You know, yeah, like yeah. she's she's ingesting art, and I'm like you know, on my back most of the day, like, eh, fuck, I'm going to watch the Jays game and then I'll see what's on the, on Netflix or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do the dishes. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to like go, we share a garden with her mom and dad. And she's like, I'm going to go to my folks place for three days. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to fucking sit down with my guitar and hammer out something like and it's weird because I'll get this idea. I'm like, that's a weird idea, or that's a it, like. So no, not every day. I I'd say like maybe like once a week. I really I really sit down with the guitar, and then most of the time I'm either just like, I just yeah, it's like fishing. I'm just sitting there waiting with my. It's not even with the guitar. I'm like, you know, I I'm just on the boat half the time. I don't even have a fit, a line in the water. I'm just, and then it comes to me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, and I think when you write a simp simply as i do it's not that far away ever and i'll read a book and then all of a sudden okay i'm gonna write 12 songs it's just in input output but most of the time no i'm like not working on it unless i have a job if i'm at work and Uh, i'm like i wish i was somewhere else i'm like okay i'm gonna write and i just start writing all the time yeah not even guitar not even guitar just lyrics and i'm like I always have something on the guitar going that I'm like, there's a song in there. I just got to find what the song is. Right. Because the guitar usually, like, yeah, dictates where these melodies go or whatever. But yeah, if I have a job, which I've just been doing the songwriter thing down at the King Eddie or whatever, it's been paying my rent, which is great. But when I have a job, I'm like, fuck doesn't matter what kind of job it is. I would rather be anywhere else. Even when you were a surly record store press? Yeah, when I was like working at a record store, man, and like, you know, like, I remember, like, I started writing so much because I was like, these people would buy shit, and I'd be like, I wonder, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to look at it, and I'd listen to it, and I'd be like, I remember that's how I got into the replacements. So oh, I was cool. like, wow, these guys are great. And I had no idea who they were just because I was so within my own worldview of, of tunes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd listen to that, and then I'd be like, all right, that's great. And then I got sick of just being on Facebook for like six hours when the store was empty after I did all the work that I could do in like, you know, full day's work in like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, well, I don't want to scroll anymore. My wrist fucking hurts from pulling down on the mouse or whatever. So I'd just like start hammering words out on this. I I buy those like blue Hillroy books, yeah, you know, like yeah. three subjects, 300 pages. And I just, I'm like, yeah, my goal is always to like just write whatever comes to my mind. And then usually they're just like these weird 
like diary entries just like bitching about like i'm like man i hate being here and like carter get your shit together you know like try harder with art and then all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden like little idea i'll be like oh like like a basketball player like busts his knee and works on it the internet nothing but net nothing but fish net. and net i'm like oh shit there's something there yeah and then all of a sudden it's like i go home and i sit down and you know like in the summertime this year when i was just sending you songs yeah man that was awesome amy was out at her parents house and i was like i'm gonna write and all i did was watch baseball and like i'd be like i'd wake up in the morning i'd be like i'm gonna go get some chicken wings from 7-eleven <laughs> Which is not good for you. Don't do that. Don't do like, that. You know, You're tuned in. Bordering on scurvy. <laughs> and uh, I would just like play guitar. The baseball would, game would be on. I'd watch the baseball game and it'd be like eight o'clock and I'd be like, what do I do now? And I'm like, yeah. I get, I'd shut off the lights, go in my room, turn the lamp on and just play guitar on my bed for like till like four in the morning. And I was, it, it's so worth it because it's like the stuff that comes out of you. Yeah, there's garbage. You know, like the one thing I started doing was like, when Towns Van Zant was like, oh, I never let a song go. I'm like, okay. So I'd write these songs. I'm like, that's terrible. But I'd send it off to you because I'd be like, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe not that one. Or yeah. like, that's a good one. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to work on that one. But yeah, my process is all like take it or leave it type of like, if I'm feeling it, I'll do it. And if I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't look at, I look at it like a job in the sense it's like, I have like 60 songs like right. that I like to play and there's like 10 that I really like like I'm like these are good songs mm -hmm. and then there's four that I'm like these are as good as anybody's songs yeah. like these are and I'm like those four make me go like well fuck I can you know roll over tomorrow and if I don't get out of bed I'm like I did it you know I've accomplished artistic integrity but like, that's what keeps you going at least yeah. it's like you know that you've done that and you're and you're and you're chasing it down yeah exactly like and that's the thing too is when you get you know like I have like the biggest ego for somebody who I consider humble there's times where I'm like <laughs> I'm fucking good. I'm a little raw. I ain't the greatest player in the world, but it's like I do. I do less. I do more with so much less, while also doing so much less than people that get so much more. Like, it's right. a good quote there, buddy. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's like people. You know, there's people. I'm like, I started playing guitar when I was like 17. Like, I dropped out of school, and I'd show up at school just to fucking play guitar. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. It was crazy. Like, we had a huge, like, oxy problem in high school. I never touched the stuff. But these cops would roam around the parking lot trying to find dealers, right? Like, people dealing pills. Just up in Grand Prairie? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd be sitting in my car. I had a little 1986 Honda CRX with a fucking donut. I never got changed. Bumper was flying off of it. It was terrible. And I would just, like, I would, like, literally just push my seats as far back as I could. And I'd just take a pillow and stick it in the middle and i'd sit in the middle of my car so my guitar would fit and i'd just play and i'd play like you know from like eight in the morning because i had two younger brothers that were in the same school as me i'd take them to school i'd never leave the school but i never fucking went into the school either right yeah, and yeah. i'd just play guitar and then you know when it got warmer i would and like yeah it cost me a lot of money because my car was running the entire time you know i was lucky it was a crx and it was like 2005 when gas was like 68 cents or whatever but uh it was it, that was where i kind of got into playing music and then uh so i dropped out of school and then my mom found out and she was like well i'm gonna get you a job at the liquor store right and uh -huh. i'm like because my mom was running a liquor store and i was like okay so i'd still work the night shift but i'd still go to the school because my buddies would be there there'd be guys that played guitar i'd sit in the back of a truck like the cow or whatever you call it and like sing like these songs about like living in an oil town and wanting to be corblund pretty much you know so that sort of thing and then uh, your songs yeah they were like i had some songs i had this one song that was like it was a huge hit like at parties it was called oil town and it was like, come on down to oil town where we don't mess around it was ridiculous <laughs> 
But I would play. I would just play and play and play. I'd go to a party and I'd be, I'd be that asshole with the guitar. Like, but that's but that's also like uh, uh, curbs the social anxiety. Yeah, You're the guy with the guitar. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I know changed how you my feel. life. Yes. Yeah, like I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm the guy with the guitar, and then yeah. uh, and you get to hang out with the, the hockey players. Yeah, and, and the drug kids. Yeah, exactly. And, and the chicks. It was such a swath of like in in high school. Like you know, Amy always gives me a hard time because we grew up in the same town, and she's like, her brother was a year younger than me. She's a couple years younger than him. Like so, she's three three years younger than me. She's like everybody liked you because you were just like you didn't fit any anywhere, but you fit in everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I always said like, yeah, I had the hardest time because I was like, I love smoking dope, so I loved the guys who played music and like listened to music. But I love the guys that played music, but everyone who listened to music would be like, why don't you play music? Right. So then I'd be like, fuck those guys, you know, like play, pick up a guitar, you know, like say something about yourself. But then I realized listening to music is an artistic endeavor in its own right. But yeah, anyways, I, 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 I got a job working for my mom at this liquor store and uh, I would work the night shift. And this guy came in and he had an iPod. And it was the first time I ever saw an iPod. I was like, yeah, maybe 18. And he had this country music playlist called It Ain't Country Unless a Fat Lady Sings, which is hilarious yeah. or whatever. But uh, he had like, it was crazy. It was like, like it was like Uncle Tupelo and uh, John Prine, which was like changed my life. You'd never heard this stuff? Never ever heard it. Yeah. Well, I grew up with like, my dad was like a huge George Thorgood fan and my mom listened <laughs> to Dr. Hook all the time. <laughs> like the weirdest thing. Like, yeah. Like, is this good or is this bad or yeah. Terry Jacks uh-huh. stuff like that? And I thought that stuff was okay. Like I still George Thorgood, I still like you know huge guilty pleasure. Like love sure. the man. But uh, but, but before you heard the John Prine and the Uncle Tupelo and stuff, what what were you playing and liking at, at I was that into, like, age? Well, it was weird. I it, it was like I wanted to play like you know pop punk music. Yeah, or whatever it was the era. Like, yeah, like oh man, everything was huge. Like Bright Eyes and. Uh, well, that was more like indie folk, but uh, dashboard confessionals, just oh, yeah. ch- stuff chicks liked and stuff. I was yeah. like, all right. And it was emotional stuff. Like this guy's like screaming at the top of his lungs. And I was like, I want to sing like that. And then, yeah, the I remember my buddy was like, oh, man, I, my this bar, BJ's Sports Lounge, had a core blunt show. And he's like, let's sneak in. And because he, he knew the guy who worked in the kitchen. So he walked in the door. He got us in through the kitchen, and it was crazy in there. It's like Grand Prairie Corp Show back then, and imagine. it was insane. And we're like, we're in, and we turn the corner, and BJ, the owner, is like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Because he knew the kid that I was sneaking in with, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, and he's like, you can have one beer. And he like let us stay for the You're show. You're like 15, 16. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. And that was when I was like, okay, country music is, is cool. It's not just like, you know, Joshua Grayson stuff, like, radio radio country that was just brutal like it's still like you know like you know offense well yeah offense offense. take offense like it's worse than ever it's worse than ever i mean at least well even back then it was fucking garbage like but that record like that era corby was getting like commercial play yeah he like you turn on and in grand prairie he was like big time a deity man like you know he still is like and that was huge for me i was like man this guy writes he sings Mm -hmm. And then my dad used to always wake up like 6.30 every fucking morning and turn on CMT and blast it through the house. <laughs> Sit at the table, drink coffee, not even watch the music videos. And I heard this Dwight Yoakam song, uh, Back of Your Hand. It was like a newer one. And I was like, that's a beautiful and sad song. And, uh, and then I was like, that was it. I was like, okay, I like country music. and I But I just couldn't, I couldn't write it because I didn't know anything about it. And then... And then I was like, yeah, you know, it's like the older stuff I got into a little bit later. But, you know, like I read that outlaw biography book about Nashville in the 60s and 70s, like when Willie and Tom Paul Glazer and all of them were like, let's get out of here and do what we want to do. But yeah, this guy introduced me to like newer alternative country and obviously John Prine, which is like, if you listen to me, you're like, oh yeah, that guy never gets off the John Prine, which is true. Like if I'm like, hey, Google play, I'm like common sense. And then it's like, hey, Google play John Prine, John Prine, like every day Mm -hmm. I listen still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'd never get sick of him. Are you worried that that influences you too much? That that's because the first time I heard you, I was like, man, this guy likes John Prine. Yeah. I I mean, somebody has got to do it. Yeah. You know, like there's a side of it where I'm like, I'm surprised more people don't like blatantly just ride 
sounding like John Prine. Well, I think I think uh, it's a lot harder than you, than people think it is. Yeah, I think that's true. You I, know, I think the one thing that was John Prine that really made me attracted to him is not only his songwriting, but the fact that he sounded like a human being singing yeah. and that he made it. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, Gary. You know, Gary. He set the end of the bar. He had a fucking record deal, and yeah. it's like, and he turned out to be John Prine. It's not like he's like a traditional sense, uh, like a great singer. Or no, anything like he's that. just a he just... man. You know, that was what got me into like, okay, I'm not gonna try to like do falsettos and like sing. I'm right. gonna just do what I do. Tell the and stories. then I kind of found my voice or whatever, and tell stories. Yeah. And that's where it all kind of started. And you know, I was lucky growing up in an oil town or whatever because. An industry town is like people. They don't get hurt. They don't fucking care about your feelings whatsoever. They'll tell you. Yeah, right it's to your tough face. up there. Hey, it's a rough town. Yeah, and it was like it was worth it. You know, I remember the first time I ever got like a huge critique was this girl. My friend was like a really good guitar player, and his girlfriend or whatever. She was like two years older than him. She's going to RDC, the music program, and she came up to me. She's like, "You sing so fucking flat." <laughs> She's like, "Open your mouth more." And just like sing louder. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was heartbroken, whatever. So I went home and I was like, fuck, I'm going to sing louder. Like, And I just started trying harder, right? And I'm probably still flat. I don't give a shit. But it was like, it helped. Yeah. And then uh, one time I did a open mic and this guy came up to me. He's like, you know, he's like, if you have to tell a story before you play the song, the song's not any fucking good. And I was like, Interesting. That's a good, kind of a good point. Like, if you have to explain the song, and that made me dial back, like, the the poetics and just try to be like, okay, let's just try to hit on visceral feelings, like, everyday shit that is devastating or completely, like, makes you think. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so you you get hip to John Prine, you you sneak into a core blunt show, you're just starting to play, yeah. and you're writing songs at this point, and you, you and 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 there's no musical background in the house, zero. Like I never knew. My grandpa had a guitar, but I never seen him play it. He died when I was like seven. Like I didn't really know him. Like, but he had this little like toy like paper mache hunker, and I used to beat on it. It had one string on it. I'd fiddle around with it. But no, never, no, like, you know, like, I've never, you know, I used to think my dad sang the backups for George Thorngood and uh, that, <laughs> move it on over, yeah. like, I always thought that was my dad, because it did sound like my dad when he'd go, move it, like, <laughs> trying to get me to get out of bed and get my shit together. Yeah. So I was like, but yeah, no, and then, like, my auntie is like, a, she's a karaoke star, but she's like, no bands or whatever, like, great singer. She owned an amazing karaoke machine with like the laser discs. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> she'd come like from yeah, she'd Big come parties. into town and it was wild. Like I remember being a kid and being like, "Mom and Dad are still not in bed," and the sun would be coming up because they'd be singing karaoke. But I was like, they weren't singers by any means. Like no, I don't. I never heard my dad or mom sing a note in my life. You know. When did you start? Like when did you first do a gig? Like what? Do you remember that? My first gig. Oh man, I remember my first. I did a. I did a. I opened for a. Uh, a punk band Solo Carter Felker Yeah years in a basement My buddy his name was Jeremy He was he could shred he still can shred Like he's a great player He was like he, the son of a Priest whatever Preacher whatever the I don't know I'm not religious Whatever they're called and uh, They would do these basement shows And they were fucking wild grand like, prairie oh they were insane like i watched a guy throw a flying v and it like stuck into a wall it was hilarious like <laughs> and they're like carter you got a good voice you want to open i was like yeah sure i was my first show and that was like holy shit like, how old were you 18 17 18 Playing and then your songs cover yeah song? i yeah. didn't know i like i i picked up the guitar to play my shit right i never wanted yeah you know, that's like I think that maybe this make, makes me a writer. I was never like, oh, I wanna, I wanna sing these cover songs. Like I just started as soon as I could learn it. Like I remember it was like G, E minor, and D. I'm like, what songs can I write? Tons. Yeah, and there's like it's endless, man. Like so, no cover band, no none of that. Like that no in your life, just always doing your thing. Yeah, and I played a lot, like just at parties, just hanging out. Like, and I would always do these like freestyles or whatever, yeah. I'd make fun of everyone in the room or whatever. They were like pretty much roasts. I can't believe I got away with some of the stuff without getting punched out. But <laughs> and then I'm like, man. Uh, Amy moved to Calgary and she's like, I'm going to Calgary. You should come visit me. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to come down and see you. Cause she's great. And I was, 
This is 2009. And uh, she's like, you're really good. Like, you got to believe in yourself, you know, like, and, you know, stop writing about like parties and start writing about some real shit. You know, do you ever cry? Do you ever get mad? And that was a big challenge. And I'd go and then we went to an open mic and it was like this open mic at this cafe. And it was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good. And these guys in Calgary that like, you know, grew up playing around people that actually play guitar. They were fucking and like to me at the time. I was like, I'm not getting up on stage. They're like, I remember because I signed up. I was like 17th on the list. And it's like 11. It's like show starts. It's like seven o'clock fucking open mic. It's like 11.30 by the time I get up there. I'm yeah. like, Carter Felker. <sighs> Carter Felker? And I'm sitting at the back, and I'm like, let's go. I'm not playing. I was just totally, like, destroyed. I'm like, I'm not any good, right? right. I'm like, I thought I was going to move to Calgary and, like, be a big star. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do. You yeah. know, you move to C-Town, and the next thing you know, it's the rhyming. You know? <laughs> but I was like, so I went home, and I, like, had a breakdown. I was like. You didn't play that night? No, oh, I didn't play. Yeah, I didn't okay. play at all. I, okay. I I went home and I I practiced for two years. Like I cried. I threw away my. I lost my my flat picks. Mm-hmm. They were pencil thin white ones. Zip 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 zip. Yeah. Those ones. Fucking chucked those away. And then I remember I heard. Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm gonna learn to pick a John Prine song or whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's great. So we went back to the open mic and I felt pretty good. I was like, all right. And then. Same open mic. It was hot open mic. Still, still has an open mic. It's at this place called Cafe Coy or whatever, and uh, kept doing it. And like I would always kind of do one of my own songs, which were you know whatever. But I'd always learn like a, a song that I considered hard to play mm-hmm. to see if I could perform it. Like every week, I'd be like learning like a finger pick John Prine song or a Steve Earle song or something like, and then. I remember I I got a job selling timeshares. It's the fucking worst. Yeah. I remember I'd go to work every day and be like, today's the day. I'm throwing myself in front of the C train. I'm not going in, right? And Uh then finally I had enough. And I would just call my grandma. I'm like, hey, grandma, come pick me up. You know? And I'd tell Amy I was going to work. Oh. And she found out. And she's like, you know... You stay at your grandma's, right? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like sitting there all down and trotting on my grandma's hide a bed. And I was like, this song came to me that was like this about this breakup or whatever. And I like was like, Amy, I wrote this song. And I'm like, meet me at the open mic. And I was like, I was the first song I ever wrote that I finger picked or whatever. And I'm like, this is a song for my gal. You know, I know I really hurt her. And I wrote, I played this song and she like, Amy was like wept. And she's like, that is the best thing you've ever written. And I was like, always forgiven, right? I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, maybe I got to put my heart on the line. And that was it. And after that, it was like, you know, a few more years, I was working at a guitar store and they fired me unceremoniously for being a shitty salesman. And my girlfriend was like, you know what? Do some shows, like do more shows, like get out there. Like I'll find you some shows. And then out of nowhere... She was doing this clothes market, and she's like, I put your name in f- to play. And I fucking lost my mind. I was like, what are you doing? I'm not ready. Yeah. F- it was a huge fight. And it was like, and then I got addicted to it. I'm like, I'm playing my own songs mm-hmm. for people that are like, there's four of them in here that are looking at me. That's good enough. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was like, this band, my buddies, Rotary Park, like well, my buddy Matt called. I know. Them. I remember yeah. those guys. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Toronto now, and he's 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 uh, you know he's in the scene. He's and a good musician. Great musician. Yeah. He's like a brother to me. He started always asking me to open shows for them and play with them, oh, and that wow. was it. Like, and then it was like you know 2015 or 2016, 2015. I I started to really get real serious about it. Like I was only playing music for money, but it was like you know you get a good gig and then you'd be playing fucking original Joes, yeah, for seventy five bucks and like on half of, half off wine Wednesdays or whatever. Everyone's pissed. Nobody's <laughs> listening. But you know that stuff's worth it. It makes you realize like. People's Those are the stories we tell each other. Yeah, backstage are not not the good gigs. Yeah, well, you're no one. Ever, like, when was the last time someone was like, "Yeah, you know, I was here," and it's like the greatest story. You're like, "Fuck that guy. Why is yeah. he bragging?" You yeah. know, like no. you know, he's like, "You ever go like, remember that time that guy? You know, you cracked your orbital bone with that pint." You're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> you threw it across the stage because I wouldn't play Merle Haggard." Yeah, yeah, like that's. 
that's the stories. Yeah, that's the stuff I like to hear. But yeah, so then I just started getting into it. Yeah, and I just was like, and I got really lucky too, like really, really lucky. Uh, I had opened for a local gem. His name's Scott McLeod, good friend of mine. Good guy. Yeah, great yep. guy. One of the Scott best. For a long time. He had just released a record. I think it was Right as Rain. Great record. It was produced by Steve Laurie. And Skinny Dick played on yeah, it. Yeah, they did that one in Nanton. Yeah. I remember that. And I, I, he's like, hey, you want to open this show? And I was like, great. Yeah, whatever. And I met Skinny Dick. Mm-hmm. And Skinny being a steely-eyed, sexy bastard that he is, is just sitting there. No smiles. It's drier than hell, right? Looks like he's sour all the yeah. time. Yeah. And he's like, hey, nice, <laughs> nice job. Real hard up there. Real hard. And I was like, all right, whatever. He's like, let me know if you ever need anything. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. See ya. Yeah. Like, I thought he was baked or something. I don't know. And then I'm like, I got to get out of the city. So I contacted him. Like, hey, like, if you can help me get a show in Lethbridge, it'd be much appreciated. He's like, yeah, let me get back to you. He's like, I got us a three-day run. I'm like, us. He's like, yeah, I'm going to play Steel with you. And that was that. Like, his first side guy, real professional. That's like, where I first heard you. It was some videos of you guys in Nanton. At yeah, the auditorium. The yeah. auditorium, and he, that was crazy too, because that was the thing. He's like, "We got, I got you a three setter at the odd," and I had like maybe like <laughs> I got you a three setter at yeah, the odd. I'm like, "Oh god!" Yeah. I'm like, I remember the end of the night. I'm like reaching into a barrel. Like yeah. I had this eight minute song that was just a depressing song about like love lost or whatever. And he's like, "You got to find a bass player too." And I was like, I don't know. I've never met a bass player or I've ever talked. I don't know how to recruit a band. The yeah. band found me, right? Like you. And so we played the odd, and then that was the first time I ever had an upright bassist, and you know that was cool. And that guy ended up helping me make my first record, uh, and that was that. Yeah, like it all kind of took off quick. Yeah, I got lucky. Point, yeah, right? I feel like I got you know I feel like I was good enough for it to happen because of you know I believed in like the craft and and putting your time in and stuff. Sure. But yeah, you know I, I kind of showed up. I got lucky, and like as far as like it went from like playing like. OJ's and you know these shitty gigs and then I got lucky with Skinny and then I got really lucky I won a song competition that the Folk Fest puts on which got me into the Calgary Folk Fest and then that got me into the like the full festival the year after and then that was it like everything and I was like okay and yeah you're a Calgary guy yeah That's, now yeah. yeah now you know whatever Calgary guy like and I, you know I feel like you know I got an okay name across I've toured a little bit I'm gonna start touring more here two years like stuck in your house makes yeah. you realize you, you gotta you know you live once yeah absolutely. but I've done BC and back a bunch of times and Alberta a few times and uh safe to say that Amy is like your biggest fan and your harshest critic yeah, big and, time. And you guys, because uh, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's uh, amazing. A huge yeah. fan. Uh, but you guys, you guys write together, or is no. it, are you holding each other accountable for what you're writing? Yes. So she she got out of Grand Prairie like a smart person as soon as she could. Yeah, she was like, you know, what's she like after high school? Well, actually, what happened with her was she hated it. Like she came out of the womb despising the place she grew up in. Which yeah. you know, I had a thing where I was like, "This is a great town." And then you know, you, you, you start the to world. this. The older you get, and the more you see, the more you go like, "Holy shit, this is a rough place." You know, great people, mm-hmm. salt of the earth, tough. You know, some of the shit that I've seen, like you know, yeah. people are you know, it's a rough neighborhood. I'm like, Grand Prairie is a rough neighborhood. Yeah. The whole town, like you know, like. You know, like yeah. you're from a tough town. The yep. peg is tough. You know, like, I grew up in Oshawa. It's Oshawa's tough town. Tough town yeah, you know, yeah. it's it, and it's like you know, young people with money or whatever. But yeah, she 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 had a brother. She still has a brother. Great guy, <laughs> Sam. She, he's a great baseball player. Uh, he got recruited to play college, and so he he left to play at the U of C, uh, playing baseball. And the family was like, "Well, fuck, let's go." Wow, and she was like, "Let's go!" Like jumping for joy, and then like, and then a couple like months later, she's like, "You should come down." So yeah, she bailed like right away as soon as she could. Like she would have left if if they wouldn't have left, she would have left. You guys like, been together since your kids? Yeah, I was nineteen. She's seventeen. Yeah, around there. Wow. Yeah, we were neighbors. Yeah, dad was my ball coach. Her mom was like my unpaid therapist. Like yeah. I'd go over to her house, talk to her mom for hours. Tracy Nelson. You guys legend. are still you still close, eh? Yeah, like her mom's family? like the best. Yeah, her dad is hilarious. I love the guy. Like the, 
and her mom got me into some really great music that I never even like Leonard Cohen and Don McLean nice. and Cat Stevens and so so she so she's the reason you end up in Calgary and then yeah. again it pushes you into it you run into all these people and then you make everyday life like it's she, this is the pretty thread. much Amy's the thread yeah Amy is a thread I'd say like the biggest thing with uh, with Amy was like always like challenging me like you know that's that's not good enough or yeah that's you know that sort of thing and then we, we we sang together at the beginning a bit but we like we're fire and ice you know like very it, different artists yeah and it's that's the best part about it like mm-hmm. you know like i can hear a good song come out of her that she would throw away like she's got the song paint an old fence on her record that she's like scrolling through this like ancient pink laptop right before she's about to make her record and there's all these clips voice clips remember her playing it I'm like, what's what's that song oh she's like uh, whatever and it's to me it's the best song on a record it's so well put together heartbreaking you know but mm-hmm. i was like she's like well it's too country or whatever and i'm like well, it, that don't matter it's like word for word it's the best song i still love that song passionately she never plays it live and people are like, are you going to play that song? There's like so many like divorced women that are like, that song meant so much to me. And I'm like, holy shit. But yeah, Amy's the thread. I made Everyday Life and uh, I made it twice. I had a real huge issue. I did it down in Lethbridge with Skinny and his crew and did not go well. You didn't like how it turned out? Not at all. No, okay. I didn't like, you know, I was so inexperienced too that that type of environment with like real people that are like trying to be professional but also still lacking on their technical side. Like I didn't know what the Nashville number system was. Mm-hmm. Or, so I was, man, I had some fucking breakdowns. Like really? I remember going into the booth and screaming at fucking Taylor, just yelling at the top of my lungs. And Taylor, chill as he is, turns, he's like, Maybe we should take a break. <laughs> and then I walk outside. I'm like petting this horse and I'm like screeching. I'm like, you know, having my Carter at like 120% like rage fest, which it's rare. Skinny's seen it a bunch. Maybe it's skinny. Maybe that's a common denominator. He knows how to push my buttons. But he also knows how to read me when he's like, hey, let's go for a walk or whatever. But yeah, and then I was like, it was, I had a like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I just I couldn't be recorded. I had I had red light fever. Like it mm-hmm. was brutal. Like and it was more on me. Like I drank a lot of beer and smoked a lot of dope because I didn't know. I was Inexperienced. Scared. Yeah, and you know, intimidated. Having, yeah, and you're like you want to be a rock star, right? And then uh, so it like we got the mixes on the January. It was like the first. It was like New Year's Day. I remember and. Uh, I was like, yeah, this ain't going to come out. Like, I can't release this. And they were like, come on, Carter, you know, and I had paid for it, whatever. So I was like, well, I'm in the clear. I don't have, I don't owe you anything. So let's just not do it. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to my band at the time and they were really honest with me. They were like, I'd like, yeah, Kent McAllister is playing guitar for me. He's a veteran. Great. Has made some great records out on the West Coast or whatever. He was like, this isn't good, man. This does not sound good. And I was like, okay. And then my bass player's name is Morgan Lachinsky. Super good guy. Was like, we'll make it in my father-in-law's basement in Chestermere. I'll find the mics. I know how to work Pro Tools. We'll do it. And I was January, like, the 16th we started. We finished on, like, February 1st. The album release was, like, March 4th. I'm like... Got the masters that my buddy in Vancouver did. He's not a guy who does masters. He probably just pushed the volume yeah, button up. Yeah. Mixes were fine, whatever. Like, you know, I could think, whatever. But, and then uh, I got the CDs like the 3rd of March, right? They just And then the next day was the show, the show right? And I was happy with it. You know, it, I got it, got it out. Yeah, that's all that mattered mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. But there's a little buzz that followed. It, 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 was the album before the Folk Fest stuff and the songwriting competition? It was right. It was after, after the, f- it was before the Calgary Folk Fest, the full festival. Okay, it was so after I won the thing. Was the the song that you won Everyday Life? No, it's the one. It's Drink the Water. Yeah, okay. yeah, that one was like it was weird when I wrote that one. I'm like that. Yeah, everyone's gonna eat that up. I'm yeah, like, that's that's you know, it's life advice. You know, it's everyone. You know, it's like you know, yeah. I knew I had a feeling. I'm like, if I put this in a competition, I got a good shot. Mm-hmm. And you won. Yeah, and I was like, still to this day, I'm like, I've never had a performance where I was like, in the zone like that, where I'm like, where I walked on stage. Well, it was funny. I was joking with my buddy about this band that was already in the festival, and they were playing the competition, and you get into the festival because you win, right? Yeah. 
And I was like, what the fuck? They're already in the Calgary Folk Fest. What are they doing there? And we were making a joke about it, right? It was totally fun. And this guy fucking turned to me, and he, like, slapped me on my chest. And I was like, oh, here we go. We're just getting, like, you know, I don't take kindly to that shit, right? And he goes, like, well, yeah, it's bullshit. You'd say stuff like that. And my buddy Darren's like, we're kidding around. Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like the MC of the night. We're joking around. And the guy goes, like, who do you think's going to win? And I was like, pissed. I'm like, I'm going to fucking win. And I was like, I got to win now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got to fucking win. <laughs> yeah, you're betting on yourself. Yeah. Hard and I there, was like, hey? such a dink, right? Yes. And it was like straight out of a movie. Like, I, they call my name. I win. I step one foot off the stage, and it's this fucking guy. I look him right in the eyes, and I go, I told you. <laughs> and I was like, Man, I'm such an arrogant prick. But I, I just, I never in my life needed to win something more because yeah. of that moment. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I was shouldn't have been joking like that, and I got caught. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck. But now I'm like, now I got to prove this prick wrong. But uh, yeah, so stuff did happen fast. Like I got, lo- I don't know, like Allison Brock really helped me out. Like she is a really popular, super popular in the province, yeah. wide cut country. She's the only person I sent the record to. Really. Literally, I had no idea how to release a record. Yeah. And she played every track, like except for the ones with some F-bombs or whatever. And then Skinny kind of sent it around. and But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It really took off and helped me out. I think mostly it took off with, like, songwriters mostly. And people on the road were like, this guy's pretty good. Like, Because yeah. I would give it away. Like, I'd be like, hey, Business Sean card. Burns, yeah. here you go. Or yeah. Del Barber, take this. Or... You know, I would just hand them out. I would never sell a record to like a musician. Now I would. I yeah. need the money. Well, Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, especially now more than ever. We're yeah. all like like buying merch off of each other. Yeah, and it's yeah. cool. Like you know. Yeah. But that like, and then it's like I didn't expect anybody to be like, yeah, you know, like the critical side of it, like you know, like CQA and Franny Scott Franchick like voted into his like essential albums of the year. Allison Brock did, and like, nice. It was on a list. I mean, I don't know. I didn't get paid for the list or whatever, but it's cool to have your name on it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, it took off. It took off. 2016 I mean, it came out? Yeah, that's a long time ago I now. was going to say, so why six years? Like, I was just, I hated the studio. I had such a terrible experience that it's like I couldn't fathom going back in. I didn't want to go in. I never enjoyed it either until the last few years. Yeah. And even still. It's, like I've I've had like vocal booth breakdowns like that where you're just like oh man now these people have seen this side of me I yeah. never wanted them to see yeah exactly like, you know like oh man you take off your mask and they're like you're yeah. not cool anymore dude yeah. and you're like oh fuck but, so so that was it there's just that that anxiety about recording that, yeah and I have anxiety like sure. I have yeah you know I mean I've gotten better like you know a lot better over the last few years but I have like terrible terrible anxiety for situations that are outside of my control Mm -hmm. and you know i like click tracks oh my god like i just learned that i could play with one like this like making this record i'm like oh i'm a better guitar player than i thought i can stay on time like did you have a good time making this new record i had a blast it was the best thing i've done in years like i like it was cool and it's another thing where it's like somebody forced me into the studio i had all these songs and then uh, my grandma, who I stayed with, lover, rest in peace, she died. And she left me a little bit of money, like not a shit ton by any means, but like enough to at least track, even if it was like a couple of days, like, it was, mm-hmm. you know, 25, 5,000 bucks. I don't know. 5,000, I don't know. But I was like, I have this pedal steel player named JJ Mayo. And he's always been like, are we going to go in the studio? We're going to go. We're going to go. And then one day he's like, I'm going to Moncton. So if you, and it's a it's a pandemic, so I may never be back. I don't know. If you want to make this record, let's go. I just called this guy. His name's Pat Pilardi. He owns a studio, Public Lunch. He wants to meet, and then I like told him my budget, and he gave me like a ridiculous deal. Nice. Like really helped me out, and it was like I don't know. He's like I like your songs, so I was like okay, and then we got ten days in the studio. And it was awesome. Like, it was, like, fun. I mean, the first day was brutal. Like, of course. Because mm-hmm. I'm, like, freaking out and not ready. And, like, here we go again. And, like, starting to spiral. And then as soon as we got that first... He's, like, the first guy I've ever worked with who's, like, I'll comp it together. Like, don't worry about mm-hmm. your vocals. We'll comp all the good parts together. We'll see how it sounds. I remember stepping out of the booth. He's, like, yeah, done. Let's let's, let's listen to it. And I was, like, oh, shit. I can relax. Like, yeah. we're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And then that was that. Like, I was like, 
let's go. Like we finished like most of the tracking and everything and like way before we thought we were going to finish it. Then we had a COVID scare. We were worried that somebody had COVID and this was before the vaccines. So we had to take a couple days off and I had a bunch of gear in my car and in my panic got stolen out of my car. I went oh, home, no. called her Amy. I'm like, oh, I'm fucking going to die. You know, I had yeah. no idea. So I was like in my house that night, like having an existential crisis and my my gear got stolen out of my car. Nothing expensive. Like I had a couple shitty mics. I wasn't too stressed about it, but it was it was a bad couple of days. I was like, but it was, you know. And then he's like, yeah, my wife, the doctor said she's good to go or whatever. And I'm like, we're back in the studio finished it then it took forever to mix like it did take it took like i just it took like a year and a half two years so this is early pandemic you're recording we're talking september 2020 yeah okay okay things were looking good we're like we're getting through this pandemic then it (laughs) spiked right after that yeah Yeah. and then i went through a like i I had a different engineer working on it and then i I felt like he was really busy like just because i mean probably was working on stuff so he was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm the man for the job, which was fine. Totally agreed. Still good. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Pat took it back on. And Pat's different. Like, you know, he's got a totally different approach to music than I do. He, like, but he listens to the references. Like, if you're like, hey, I want it to sound like this. He's like, all right, let's try it. And he, like, he took his time and, like, got it right and did a great job. And he's, then it was done, you know, and I got it mastered by my buddy, Jeff Kynock, you know, Jeff. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then now I'm just waiting to put it out and that's coming. It's coming out on the 14th. It's called even the happy ones are sad. It's a great title. And it's a, it's a great record. I've had, I've had, you know, he sent it to me two months ago. Yeah. Uh, it still sounds like you, but it does. It definitely sounds different than the first one. Yeah. yeah I think you got to evolve. Yes. You got to change it up. I mean, I, I would, I could go back and do exactly what I did before and probably be pretty happy. Yeah. But I like, I've always like been like obsessed with 70 songwriters you know like yeah, Danny has O'Keefe that and you know Harry Nilsson and all that stuff I'm like that, those were like where I was like leaning I'm like okay like if you hear anything like that sounds cool like there's like you know great speckled bird songs mm-hmm. and stuff that I'm like these are some references that I'm like you know let's go like and then he's like okay well I could get a tape machine but then he's like then he's like the tape machine you got was fucked so whatever so he's like but yeah near the end he's like hey i bought this new plug and it's called the wow effect so it's got the tape warble yeah. and i was like juice it up daddy like yeah. let's throw that on everything let's go but and so yeah you're happy with it yeah i'm happy with it i mean it's like if i if i'm not you know it's like you, everything you do it's like the second you're done you're like what could i have done different mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm like yeah i'm pretty jazzed and i mean for what we did and under the dress like my pedal steel player played drums he's not a drummer right my bass player at the time played like every auxiliary fucking instrument you can imagine. Like there's three of us because they were like COVID, we're not taking yeah. a risk. And then like JJ pretty much produced it, like the pedal steel player. Like I yay or nayed things, but he had a bunch of ideas. Like loves like he's like Glockenspiel and Kibasar or whatever you call that thing, mm-hmm. the sausage that you shake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and then uh, and then we got it done. But yeah, like. We were lucky. I, I'm happy. Like I'm pretty pumped about it. And, it. and we kept it simple, and we didn't have to change too much. Like there's one song that we really went kind of wild on. It's the second track mm-hmm. on the record, that uh, party pooper, because it was like, yeah, I was just like uh, having an issue with playing it the way I wanted to play it. And I'm like, let's just do something different. And then we did it. I think the one thing is there's a lot of room still. Like when you listen to it, like you listen to records, and people are like. They got to fill up every space. Yeah, you don't have to, man. Space is so effective. Yeah, and I think we did a really good job of leaving it pretty wide open and not getting too, like... Well, especially with your kind of songs. Yeah, I think you got to do that. Uh, Had you had these songs kicking around for a long time? Like six years is a long time. Oh, man, I had, yeah. There's songs that I was like, they were going to be on the first record, and they just got cut. Wow. So you've been playing these live too for a long time. Oh, forever, yeah. So this is not a surprise. People come see you on this on this yeah. tour next month, and they'll uh, know the songs. There's a couple new ones, like the single I released. I wrote that right before the pandemic. I was gonna quit my job, living free. Yeah, I, I love was, that song, man. I was gonna be like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm Which going was on the, the job? road. I was working at the record store, and, like, and we had just we were planning coming out to Winnipeg. For oh yeah, that we June. Had booked you to come in June. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna. That'll be like the. Like I'm going east. I'm gonna finally make it to Winnipeg. Yeah, get booed off the stage and just, <laughs> and just go. You know, <laughs> just get booed yeah. off the stage. They're like, not gonna boo you off the stage. Yeah, 
But uh, I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to put in my two weeks here. And it was like, that was like, and I wrote that song. Amy's out at the Banff Center. I'm like, well, Amy's not home for a month. I'm going to write. And I wrote like a shit ton, like mm-hmm. tons of music. Keepers. And I re- just keep, yeah, I couldn't believe it. They were just falling out of me. Like I, from that, that like three week period of like when Amy left on the second to like when she got back on like the 20th, 22nd before, like after they kicked everybody out of there and was like, yeah, get out of here. COVID. Uh, COVID. I was like in the zone. Like, I, I don't know what happened. I think maybe it was just the first time in maybe seven years or whatever that we had been apart for an extended period of time. And I was actually not the one gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in my own home and comfortable. So I, I had these songs in me, but yeah, living free came out of that. The bad guy came out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nothing but net came out of that, like all. And then I was like, yeah. And then it was like the September after that, all those songs made it on the record, because they were fresh and they were good, and I liked them. But there's songs like Hard Times I wrote like way before, even before the first record. I wrote it like uh, after I had a conversation with my brother about like same idea. Like I I went to an open mic and there were some guys there that I was like, they're so good, and uh, I was like, I'm fine. I don't want to do music, and I think maybe I should come back to Grand Prairie and. He was like, dude, he's like, you don't want to come back. And I was like, well, he's like, there's nothing here for you. And then I was like, okay. And then, uh, yeah, songs like, yeah, Francine, like, was the last cut from everyday life. You got, you got a good little run there in June. Uh, t- tell, uh, tell the folks that are listening. Yeah, I'm going uh, through all. Where you're going to be here in Alberta. I'm doing Medicine Hat. The, do you want me to name the places? Oh, you don't have to. You can if you yeah, want. You I'm do on the, the, the Bruco. The, the Bruco, yeah. That got you were the one who told told me that was a nice little spot. Good gig, good food. I can't wait to try it. Great yeah. beer too. Yeah. I mean, I know you don't drink, but I'm sure it's good. Oh man, good merch. delicious. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Medicine Hat at the Bruco, Lethbridge. Uh, this will be the June 16th. The Slice. Yep. Little iconic bar down in Lethbridge, Alberta. Friday at the Ironwood. That's the hometown release. I'll have a full one, hey? band. Yeah, I got a, I'll have the drummer and the the keys and whatever else we got. And then uh, Saturday, I'm in Edmonton doing a matinee at the Black Dog. Gonna nice. have a oh, real boy. blast. Yeah, you are. And then Sunday, I'm going out to Vermilion. I'm playing the Copper Cork Distillery. And then I have a couple days off, and then it's like back down. It's uh, we're doing a to Wednesday at the uh, the Velvet Olive and Red Deer. They've done a lot with that room, man. Yeah, you been there lately? No, I haven't been there. I know yeah, Kyle pretty well. He's great done a guy. great job, man. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's been a big adamant of the scene out in Red Deer. Yeah. And, uh, they used to have like per capita the most amount of nice rooms. Like they used to have so many gigs. There's so many gigs there. Most of them are shitty, <laughs> but there's tons of them. It's a tough town too. Like there's times where I'm there and I'm like you know like it's considering your wedge right between like two major metropolitan like centers. Like this is a tough town. Yep, tough people, lots of opinions. Oh yeah, man. I'm, Central Alberta. Yeah. Is, uh, Oh, it's Wild it's a West. twilight zone out there, man. But uh, playing there, and Kyle's great, yeah. And uh, then I'm in Vulcan. Vulcan's got a mm-hmm. new gig. Uh, if you're ever looking to play, check out Nine and a Line Brewing. Yeah, Dan Anderson, hell of a guy. Uh, he's a part owner there. They they're great. Uh, it's great. It's great to be out in Vulcan because uh, my 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 dad's mom's family's from out there. And then uh, we're at Joe Vickers' place. You know Joe Vickers, know Joe, out yeah, Drum man. Heller, on a Friday. And then yeah, we might, we might fill out a Saturday show, but uh, we might just call it right there and just go home and kick our feet up. And then I'm back at the Eddie on the 26th of June, and I got Dennis Bowman join me out from uh, he's out in Powell River now. Yeah, oh yeah, he's coming. He's on tour, so he's gonna join me and sing some songs. And but yeah, and then uh, and then in September I'm doing a run out. Your way. Yeah, yeah you are, man. Yeah, I used you as the old anchor date. and then, Yeah, uh, we're really excited about that. You'll be with us at the Times Changed High and Lonesome Club on September 24th. Yeah. And the TNA Garage on the Sunday afternoon. They'll treat us real good. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. Very yeah. freezing good Mennonite guy. No, oh, man, real I nice can't. folks. Where can people find you on the internet? Is there a, is there a website or? No, uh, Bandcamp's probably my preferred locale, but Spotify, yep. iTunes, Carter Felker. There ain't many of us. And the record comes out June 14th. Yes. Even the happy ones are sad. Yeah, and I have a new single coming out May 13th. It's nothing but net. Nothing but net. That's a good one too, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming by the Alt Hotel here to have a little chat for the Northern Report. Thank you for letting me ramble. I love it. Maybe we should go to 7-Eleven and get some chicken wings. Oh, that's... Yeah, like, yeah, that's gourmet. Let's that's do gourmet. it. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Thanks, All pal. Right. Thanks, man. Well, friends, I hope that you enjoyed my chat with Carter Felker. Thank you, Carter, for taking the time to share your story with us. 
Listen to Carter Felker wherever you're streaming music for a nominal monthly fee. Or check him out and show your support at carterfelker.bandcamp.com. Look for the new album, Even the Happy Ones Are Sad, out this Tuesday, June 14th. And stick around here for a moment, friends. We're about to premiere a song from the record called Francine. Follow along with the Northern Report Spotify playlist where you can hear music from the folks that I've covered in the Honky Tonk Times column as well as right here on the podcast. Subscribe, like, follow, share, tell a friend, leave us a rating for the Northern Report. It goes a long way for the podcast and I appreciate you taking a moment to help us out. Our logo was created by Boots Graham of Boots and the Hoots. Music on today's show, courtesy of Carter Felker, Sean Burns and Lost Country, The Divorcees, and Skinny Dick. From local legends to regional stars to the cream of the Canadian crop, you're going to find it all here on the Northern Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll chat later. Hey, man, what do you got for me? If you can't undo the wrong, throw a baseball through his window and undo the right. Well, they found her on the corner. Her name was Francine. 26 years old, a mother to be. She had a tattoo on her shoulder red forever dean 50 in her pocket and a broken rosary ain't nothing like a murder stir up a town all the doors they get locked the shades they come down then the sheriff says the perpetrator's been found and it all gets forgotten about cause it's 1750 to go to the zoo if you include the ice cream too When you could stay home and watch the news But you'd probably just get the blues Well, Francine was a good girl She never did no wrong She was a saint until the day she was gone Went out one night and didn't come back at dawn Her mama knew something was wrong She'd been fighting with her estranged ex-husband, Dean He'd been shooting up instead of paying alimony A real ripe fruit from a violent tree Dean was known to get rough with Francine But the trail's too far to go for a hike And it wouldn't feel right drinking on a Monday night So the man on the screen says, coming up live will take you to the scene of the crime Well, the cops caught Dean just north of Duluth They asked him the question They wanted the truth Dean denied But it weren't no use Forensics had all the proof So they threw up a jury and a verdict was found For laying his pregnant ex-wife in the ground Dean Chinaski was to be put down On a date they did not announce And it's a big cruel robbery right round the sun Trouble it had